Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, coming out in this beautiful sunny day. Isn't it glorious to see the sunshine? I love it. Could be cold out there, but man, that sun just warms up your heart, doesn't it? It just knows that good things are coming. Good things are coming. Amen. I'm so excited about what we're talking about. We're talking about God's holiness. We're talking about God's call to us is to be one thing and is to be holy. So as we've been talking about holiness, the Lord has really been leading me into a deeper level of understanding when it comes to my life. I've been challenged greatly over the past number of weeks, and, and uh, I'm so lucky because as the one that has to speak about it, I'm the one that does most of the study about it. And uh, when I do that, the Lord really deals with me. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, He does. And He is still explaining things to me in great detail about holiness and what it means to be holy. And I hope to share those things with you today. And I hope that, I hope that what the Lord's dealing in me can somehow come out in a way that it's, uh, it's as clear and as, maybe as, as encouraging for you as well. But holiness is something that we don't talk about enough. We don't talk about holy. We don't talk about the aspect of what it means to be holy. Um, and I think it is because we don't really understand what it means to be holy. I think that we think holy is a bad four-letter word, that it's something that automatically comes with rules. When you think of the word holy, what do you think about? And what's your first thought? Probably a list of rules, probably a list of regulations, because that's what the enemy wants us to think holiness is. The enemy wants us to think holiness is really another name for legalism. And we're going to talk about that later, about the difference between holiness and legalism uh, in later, later days, because there's some more things that we can cover in one day when we talk about holiness. But I, I really want to spend this morning to share with us, to continue what we started last week, because this is a part two of last week's message. But holiness is not a set of rules to follow. Holiness is not a hindrance to us. Holiness doesn't add burden to your life. I want you to know that. Holiness does not add burdens. Rather, holiness allows us to shed the burdens of life. When we truly understand and begin to comp comprehend what God is wanting us to be about, holiness doesn't add burdens to your life. Holiness sheds the burdens of life so that we can really experience true freedom the way God originally intended us to have. That's a different way of looking at it because I think many of us look at holiness as a burden as a something else we have to do. And it becomes a heavy thing in our life. And as God is explaining holiness through his word, and as he's trying to get it into my mind, it's really holiness is the true and the only path to freedom. Remember what we said last week, that we are born in an unholy state. We are born unholy. And as we are saved... There is a form of holiness that comes immediately upon us. That's called, you know, immediate sanctification. But then as we live day after day after day, there is a progress or a process of increased holiness or increased sanctification that comes to us every day. And as I become more holy, I become more 
free. Freedom and holiness go together. The more holy I am, the more free that I am. Because holiness is not in our human nature. Holiness is not who we are in our state when we're born today. Human nature was created holy in the fact that Adam was created holy and Eve were created holy. They were created holy in God's image, but they traded holiness for unholiness when they decided to sin. When they decided to sin, when they, cho- when they chose to sin, they chose to take on ho- unholiness. They chose to give up a holy stature that they had, a holy position that they had where they could look at God face to face and they could have holy communion with him on a daily basis. And when they decided and they chose to sin, they said, God, I don't want your holiness anymore. I'm going to take on unholiness. And that's going to be extended on to everyone in their generation, which is us today. So that they were born holy but we're born unholy. They changed from holiness to unholiness. We're going to have to change from unholiness to holiness. And that's the battle. That's the fight that we're in right now, is how do we get there? The devil wants to keep us unholy. The devil wants to keep us unholy. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us to be holy. That's the fight. The devil wants us to stay in the position and the condition that we were born in. And he wants to somehow allow you to to, to self-justify yourself in your unholy state to say, oh, you're good enough. You're good enough to see God in your unholy state. That's his desire. That's his tactic. Whereas the Holy Spirit is coming to us and say, no, I need to change you. I need to change you inside out because you're unholy. Yes, you're saved, but you still have some things in you that are not holy, and I need to continue to work in you to make you holy, and that's how we have to learn to be holy. It's a learned thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, a life of choices that we make to continue to choose the holy versus the unholy. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Read that passage very close. Make every effort. What does that mean? Who's going to make the effort? We are. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. So the responsibility is given to us to live in peace with people, to make every effort, everything we can do on our part, and I'm going to add here, our part is going to be including the Holy Spirit because we can't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit has to be our helper in this. But without holiness, we will not see the Lord. That's a really important verse. That's important for us to grasp, to understand, because if we're not holy, then we're really not in a relationship with Christ. We're in a pseudo-relationship of some type. But we're not truly in a relationship with Christ unless we're holy and on the path of becoming more holy. It's a process. So let's jump back into the study we started last week and, and recognize that the battle that we have today is not, let me just say this, it's not hard to be holy. Because holiness is not a burden. 
holiness is living for, for Christ. Holiness is living for God the way that he gives us freedom. The battle is in the choosing to change what's unholy to be holy. Do you understand that? The battle is not to be holy. The battle is within my flesh because there are things in me that aren't holy. And I have to choose to take the unholy thing and kill it. And maybe even those things, I enjoy doing those things. I enjoy having a life of duplicity. I enjoy a life of pornography. I enjoy a life of lying. I enjoy a life of stealing. I enjoy a life of running around and being with the guys and the girls. I enjoy a life of promiscuity. But just because I enjoy it doesn't mean that it's holy. In fact, when I, so when I see those things that way and I recognize that I have to make a decision, I have to make a choice, the hard part is making the choice to do something about it. The hardest thing for me personally, when I have to do a project, and my wife will attest to this because she has to nudge me a little bit every once in a while for me to do anything. I'll be honest. You know, if it's a painting project around the house or something, you know, once I get going in it, I kind of enjoy it. But to get started at it, sometimes it's hard for me to do. Do you ever see that in yourself? Sometimes the, the hardest thing is taking the first step. But once I get the ladder out, and once I get the paint mixed up, and once I get my paint clothes on, and once I get in the rhythm of painting, I kind of enjoy it. I don't admit it to her. But I kind of enjoy it. But it's the first step sometimes that's the hardest for me. And sometimes that's the battle with holiness. Because once I'm on the path of holiness... Once I start feeling the, the smile of the Lord on me and I start seeing that I'm pleasing him, it's not hard to stay that way. But sometimes it's hard for me to say no to the flesh and say, no, I'm going to give up that immediate satisfaction of whatever that thing is that's given me that satisfaction. I'm going to give that up and I'm going to walk this way towards holiness and it's the first step that's the hardest. But once I get going in it, it's not so bad. So I want to encourage you this morning to know that it's the changes in the flesh that are hard. It's not God. Let's not blame God for the difficulty for us to live a holy life because it's not hard once I start. Once I start that path, once I, once I determine in my mind that I'm going to give that up, that old habit that I lived before I was saved, that, that unholy habit, whatever it is, I'm going to determine in my mind to, to stop it, to give it up, to give it to God. And once I do that, then he will give me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength to do that. And then once I start doing that, I recognize, you know, it wasn't that good after all. That bad habit that I thought I was going to really miss, I really don't miss it that much after all because I'm feeling so much more the love of God fill me up in doing, when I'm doing the right thing. It's so good when I can see that. Once I start the process, living a holy life is not hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. So last week we started out with five different ways in which God has called us to live. And they all revolve around his call for us to live a godly life and a pure life and a holy life. Holy life. Let's look at that list. The list was, number one, God has called us to himself and given us everything we need to live a godly life. Number two, God has called us to live in freedom. Number three, God has called us to live a holy life. 
Number four, God has called us to work hard to prove our calling so that we don't fall away. Number five, God has called us as children and to live in purity as he is impure, as he's pure. So we worked through those first three ways last week pretty well. So I'm going to finish up points four and five today. And I pray that the Lord will give us the proper way to deal with this. I don't want to frustrate people in this call to holiness. I don't want to make it so hard. I don't want to make it so, so big or so nebulous to think that we're never going to do it. Because I will tell you, sometimes the enemy will bring a temptation to you to say, it's too big, stop listening, give up, don't even get started. And can I just encourage you today to listen, to allow the Holy Spirit to bring a desire for a holy nature in you. And when you start asking for the Holy Spirit to give you that, He's faithful to give you that. Recognize that we can't do this on our own. God has not called us into a life that He's not going to empower us to live. He truly is on our side, and He truly does want us to live in relationship with Him. So He will do everything that He can to help us get there. We just have to receive it. Right? So look at a quick review from last week. God called us to himself, given us everything we need to live a godly life. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and his excellence. God has given us, he's given you and me the divine power to live above this world. Amen. It's a done deal. He's not working it up. He's not trying to go back and see, did I give them enough? Did I give them all they needed? He's saying, no, he gave us enough. By his divine divine power, God has given us everything we need, every tool we need to live a godly life is is in our pocket. You've got it. You don't have to search for it. It's there. God's desire is for us to be reconciled to him and to be in perfect relationship with him and to be able to live a life that stays in his presence. That's his desire, and he's given us every tool to do that. Number two, God has called us to live in freedom. He's called us to live in freedom, not bondage. Do you know that? We do not have to live in bondage. We can live in freedom. We do that through his grace, through his power that enables us, through his power that can say no to the sin of this world that creates bondage. He, he gives us, he calls us to live in freedom. Galatians chapter 5, beginning of, beginning of verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This is a passage that tells us how we use the freedom that he's called us to live in. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Remember that sinful nature that we have by by our human nature is sinful? It's unholy. It craves to do the unholy things. But Jesus is saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. This, by definition, is the good fight. We've been talking about that over the past couple, uh, the past number of month, weeks before the, before the new year. The, the good fight is the fight that I say I want the, the desire of the Holy Spirit to fight against my flesh. That's the good fight. It's not holiness. It's the, it's the fight against the flesh. That's the fight. And then number three, God has called us to live a holy life. He's called us to live a holy life. He makes it very clear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan from the beginning of time to show us His grace through Jesus Christ. It was always His desire to be in constant communion with us. That's why He created Adam in the image that He did. In whose image did God create Adam? In God's image. Why? Because he wants a relationship with him. And he can have a relationship with him in holiness. And that's what God wants from us. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 and 19 through 19. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. It's awesome. It's an awesome trade that Jesus came back into this world to give us holiness and to give us righteousness, and to set right what Adam set wrong, to repair the mistakes, to repair that big separation between man and God. My Bible commentary says this on holiness. What does it really mean for us to be morally pure, spiritually whole, separated from evil, and devoted to God and His purposes? Holiness is not an option it's a requirement for us. It's a requirement for us that we would see God working in our lives to bring the good out of us, to destroy the evil, to set us apart. Anything that would be short, God will say that I will make it right. and He will heal it, and He will bring us into a relationship with Him. So God is calling us to live a holy life. And then number four, where I want to take off today, Number four, God has called us to work hard to prove our calling so we won't fall away. God has called us to work hard to prove our calling so we won't fall away. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 11. says, so dear brothers, this is in the Living Bible Translation. So dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those who's God, who God has called and chosen. And then you will never stumble or fall away. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called. Now let me stop here and stress one more time, as I've stressed many times in the past, and I will continue to stress many times in the future, that we are not working for our salvation. 
but we are working as a result of our salvation. Right? There's nothing I can do to make myself good enough to get to heaven. The only way I get to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, and then through accepting Him as my Lord, Lordship means that there's an ownership issue there. I am giving up my life. Jesus saved me, and now I'm making him Lord, meaning I'm making him owner of my life. And when I live that way, now I am working as a result of my salvation to prove that I have that salvation. Maybe not to God, maybe to myself. Maybe I have to prove to myself that I have given up the old life. Maybe it changes who I hang with. Maybe it chooses what I allow to come into my mind. Maybe it changes what I think about, what I read, what I look at. I have to work hard to prove that I really am among those God has called, but it's not as a way to earn my salvation. We must recognize that. And I think that's the biggest problem that we have is that we think that when I get saved, there's no work required. And then when I start thinking about work, I start thinking about, oh, I'm working now for my salvation. And we get totally mixed up in that. We have to recognize that, no, I'm not working for my salvation, but I am working as a result of my salvation, and I'm changing that unholy nature to holy nature, and that takes work. It takes work to change from what is bad to make good. And God's saying, I'm giving you a part of that responsibility, man. Part of that responsibility is mine as the Holy Spirit, and part of it is yours. But you have to want to get helped. You have to want to be taken out of that unholy nature, and then the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to do it. But if you decide, no, I'm, gonna, I'm happy where I'm at, he's not going to come in and make you holy. And that's why I'm convinced that the Bible says many, many will call out Jesus. And at the end of the day, he's going to say, I never knew you. Many are going to cry out, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? I think because we haven't firmly understood the reality and the necessity of what it means to be holy, many will be turned away at that day because they didn't, they didn't get the basics right. They jumped from salvation to works and all other kinds of stuff, thinking that they were going to now continue to work for their salvation, not work as a result of their salvation. Does it make sense? So salvation and holiness, they go together. Through the blood of Christ, they go together. But we have to keep the proper order of events. I accept Jesus as my Savior first. Number one, I accept him as my Savior. And then I make him Lord by giving him ownership of every area of my life. Now, this is the key thing, because I'm not sure that we recognize that we need to give him every area of our life. I think many of us think that we can give God 95%, but there's that little part of me that is resistant. Yeah. There's that little bit that's resistant. And rather than me go the entire way and give it all to God, there's that little struggle within me that says, no, God, that's my little area there. That's just the way I am. It's my habit, my little thing that I want to hold on to and recognize that that is not holiness. That is partial holiness. 
You know, holy is spelled H-O-L-Y, but when you are holy, holy, W-H-O-L-Y, you are really H-O-L-Y, right? Holy, holy. You can't be partially whole. You're going to be holy, whole. Write that down, Jackie. W-H-O-L-Y makes you H-O-L-Y. But you can't be P-R-E-H. You spell it. You have to be holy, whole, truly, if you're going to be, if you're going to be pleasing to the Lord. And there is that, that and, and when I can get to that point where I'm in that process of continuing to give God more of my life, you know, what's doing, you know what that's doing to me? It's giving me more freedom in my life. It's giving me more, more joy in my life. It's giving me more peace in my life. It's giving me more satisfaction in my life because I know that I'm on the right path that way. I know that I'm, com- I'm continuing to be sanctified, set apart from the world. I'm living a holy life to the Lord. And I do that so that I will not drift away. The reason that we struggle so much with being holy as God is holy is because we struggle in the issue of giving God all that there is of me. I think I need to keep a little bit for me because that keeps me happy. That's my go-to place. That go-to place is your bondage. That go-to place is where it keeps you bound to this world. That go-to place is not freedom. That go-to place is a struggle, it's guilt, it's condemnation. It's the, it's if, if by having a go-to place like that that I don't give to the God, to, that I don't give to God, what that's doing is that's giving the devil the foothold in your life where then he can come and condemn you for it. See, he he will come and say, "Keep that little place because that's just me and you. That's our secret." It's our little nobody knows about it. The pastor doesn't know about it. Your wife, your husband doesn't know about it. Nobody knows about it. That's our little place where we can run to when we want to have some real satisfaction. That's the devil telling you that. But then when you do that, and when you go to that little place for that little satisfaction, he may give it to you for a second, and then he'll say, you are a loser because you can't do anything right, can you? You are, you are unholy. You're, you're hopeless. There's no hope for you because you can't live a, a life holy before God, can you? See, that's what the devil will do. He'll bring accusation. He'll lead you down the path to get you to that place. And then once you get there, he becomes your worst enemy. And he'll tell you, you are nothing. You're a loser. That's condemnation. And you have that because you've allowed the devil to come in. When you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me of my sins? And now would you wash all of me? Would you take every area of my heart? Now the Lord might bring some conviction to you. He may come and say, okay, now that little area that you're holding on to, I'm going to convict you in that area. And the Holy Spirit, the difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction is very pointed. It's like a sword, very sharp pointed sword. And it's going to that particular area in your life that you're struggling with. And the, and the Holy Spirit is saying, clean that up. Give that to me. And when you do, I'll make you holy and I'll give you peace. There's hope there. There's eternal life there. But condemnation says, no, it's a, it's a wide open blanket that you're just hopeless. No hope there. Big difference between condemnation and conviction. 
See, Adam and Eve, we have to go back to them because they're the only two people in the entire creation. They're the only two people in the entire creation of all the billions of people that have walked this earth. They're the only two people that began holy. They're the only two people that truly knew what it was like to walk face-to-face with God. But because of Jesus Christ, the billions that came after them have the freedom to do that if they choose to. We have to make the choice to go from an unholy state to a holy state. Thank God He doesn't want to leave us in an unholy state. So He provided a way back for us. And when Jesus hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, bearing our sin, and when he cried out, it is finished, those three words are the most important words that we can hear. Because what he's saying is that when he said it is finished, what he's really saying is that that road of holiness is finished. He prepared the road He designed the road. He built the road. He became the road. And that moment that he died and he he became the, the, the forgiveness of our sins and the sacrifice for our sins, he finished the road. So he cried out, God, it's finished. Father, it's finished. Now they can walk on that road back to you. The road is finished. The road of salvation is finished. And it just happens to be a narrow road, but it is a finished road. And it takes us right into the kingdom of God, right into the throne room of heaven, right into the presence of the most holy, because now we can walk on that road that Jesus finished through a holy lifestyle. Isn't that good that he did that for us? Even though he said it's finished, it's just the beginning for us. Because now it's the beginning of eternal life. What I, what I really like about the difference between an unholy thing and a holy thing is very simple. An unholy thing, if I continue to do whatever is unholy, whatever that thought process is or that action that I'm doing, if I continue to do that, it may not start out as vile and evil, and it may not just start out as death, but it will end in death. It will end into, it it will take me down a path of destruction. I I will have guilt, condemnation. I'll have all kinds of problems in this world because of it. And at the end of the day, I'll, I'll I'll end up in hell because of it if I stay in that road of unholiness. But if anything that I take as holy, it will only lead me to peace and to life and to happiness. No condemnation, no guilt, and it will lead me to eternal life. So that really is not even a difficult choice to make when I can see it that way. If I want to continue to live in that, in that area of sin that I think is giving me pleasure for the moment, knowing that at the end it's only going to destroy me, why would I want to stay there? Why would I want to stay in something that I know is going to destroy me? So therefore, why, why is it so difficult for me to say no to that and say yes to the thing that's going to lead me to eternal life called holiness? It's not that hard, but sometimes we make it very difficult. This is the good fight. The good fight here is sometimes so difficult, like I said, to get started. Let me give you an example. We've all, we've all seen these long freight trains, right? I mean, they could be a mile long. Freight trains that are, you know, got two or three or four engines on them, 
big freight trains in there barreling down the tracks, 70, 80 miles an hour, a lot of momentum going, right? And something happens, and they've got to stop, pull the emergency brake, boom. It, it could take a train like that a mile or a mile and a half or longer to stop. A lot of energy required to make that train stop. But while it's going, it, it kind of moves along relatively easily, right? Because once you get something moving, it just kind of, the mass ke- keeps taking it and overcoming the friction of the track. But yet, to stop that train, to stop it and go back to their direction takes a lot of energy. Well, that's the same thing. That's what repentance is all about. Guys, we are that train. And we are, we are barreling down life at a very fast pace, running fast down this life. And if we're unholy, we're living down, uh, that, that track is going to a place we don't want to go, and it's going very fast. And repentance says, whoa, baby, stop the train. Stop it. And there's a lot of energy required now to stop that train. And then there's a lot of energy required to get it going back to their direction because that's what repentance is. So now the fight here is not in what we have to do. It's what we have to do to get started to stop what we're doing and then get started back the other direction. Because once we go in the other direction, it doesn't take that much effort to get it going, to keep it going again, right? You see what I'm saying? It's the effort, the work's required in the decision to make the stop. That's the fight. And, and I think if we can get it that way, we'll stop blaming God for our problems. We said in our Sunday school today, you really can't expect God to help you until you can ex- stop blaming God for your problems. Start seeing him. He's not the problem. You really can't see him as the help until you, don't, until you stop seeing him that he's the problem. And that's the way with our own life as well. That, in that, that area of holiness, we need to re- make sure that we are working hard so that we can then have that call and make it right. That's why Paul prayed as he did in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, may he, the Holy Spirit, may the Holy Spirit as a result make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. That's the crowd I want to be in. May the Holy Spirit, make he, make, allow him to make my heart strong and blameless and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. That's why we need to work hard so that we don't fall away and stumble. Amen. Finally then, point number five. God has called us, his children, to live in purity as he is pure. God has called us to be pure as a child. First John chapter 3 first three verses. The New Living Translation says it this way. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But, when, but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager, ex- this is the key part, all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Again, there is that effort on our part. We have the expectation to see him. We have to have the, the effort to keep ourselves pure to live as he is pure. God loves us more than what we can ever appreciate. And he's thrilled that he can call us his children. But to live a holy life that's pleasing to the Lord is going to require my effort. 
and then learning of Him. Learning of Him. I want to end with this passage, Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. This is a passage that I am just now understanding. Can I just show you how ignorant I am? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to show you because this passage, Chris, be quiet. This passage, <laughs> stop talking to Jackie. Because I've read this passage so many times, and now as I understand holiness, I understand this passage differently. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I understand what holiness is, I understand how Christ makes his yoke easy and his burden light. Because holiness is not heavy. Holiness is easy. It's the fight that I have in my flesh. And when I can slay my flesh, holiness is easy. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. Does that make sense? When I read it this way, it just gives me hope. It gives me an assurance that God really does love me and he's given me an easy way out if I will just say no to me. Say no to me and yes to him. And he says, learn from me. So there is a process of learning. Jesus is saying it. Take my yoke and learn. See, if it was just an anointing, he would say, I would anoint you. Or I would provide all for you. He says, no, learn from me. Get in the word. Study God's word. Ask him for revelation knowledge. Learn. Be willing to be taught. And he will give us a gentle and a humble heart. And he will give us rest for our souls. I want that. Jackie, would you come, please? I want rest for my soul. I'm, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting me. I want to just say, Mike, be done. Be quiet. Devil, get out of my life. I want rest. I want holiness. I want God to make me what he wants to make me. And when I can trade that life of fighting God for a life of submitting to God, that's just the beginning, guys. It's the beginning. So this morning, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never really recognized the necessity of holiness before. Maybe you've just looked at it as kind of an optional thing. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you have been given your life to Christ for many years, but, but maybe you don't. Maybe this concept of holiness is new for you today. Well, I will say as long as you're wanting to keep some areas of your life apart from God, can I just say you're going to constantly struggle. There's no peace there. There's no peace. If you're constantly struggling, then look and say, God, what are some areas of my life that I haven't given you? I'm going to talk later, other weeks, about how we do this. But for today, I just want to talk about surrender. I want to talk about the necessity that we surrender. The devil wants to keep us in the fight of our flesh. But God is asking you to lay it all down and give it to him, and he'll give you rest. 
This morning, we're going to have communion. And as we prepare for communion this morning, I just want to encourage us. And I want you to know that it's harder to live an unholy life by far than it is to live a holy life when you're completely surrendered to God. It's that partial holiness that's hard. It's that walking that fence that's hard. So I just want to encourage you this morning as we, as we come forward and take communion today that we would just surrender everything in my life to God. Afresh, anew. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I know that many of us here, if not all of us here, have prayed this prayer before. This is not new to us, probably. But Lord, we need to pray it every day. Would you forgive me today, Jesus? Would you examine my heart? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know if there's any anxious way or any evil way within me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, that is a prayer that we should pray every day as we continue to invite you to become to make us more holy before you. More like you, Jesus. More like you. I need you. We all need you that way. So this morning as we sing the song that Jackie and Larry, uh, Tom are playing, I'm going to invite you to personally really evaluate your heart this morning. And pray that prayer personally between you and the Lord this morning and make it personal in relationship. Father, just go with us today. Lord, just go with us and and just be close to us all day long and throughout this week. I just pray, God, that we continue to prepare our hearts to live holy for you. And we just are so grateful. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go today.